You're listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast, recorded from the Everstwar Chapel Fine Arts Center in Mishawaka, Indiana. Thanks for listening. Wow. Hmm. Well, it is awesome to be here with you guys today. I am stoked that uh, Sean asked me to uh, share with you a few words. you have your Bibles with you? Okay, bring them out. You'll need those and, um, you know, or your fake ones on your phone. Uh, smart or dumb phone. That'll work. I love to hear pages turn, though. But we're going to dig in today. Uh, I want to, when I was, it mentioned I was at San Diego State, and I did major in engineering, and one of the classes that I took when I was a sophomore there was creative writing. Okay, so props to, you know, writing department. And it was a small classroom, about 30 people. I mean, San Diego State was massive, about 30,000 students. But it was a small classroom, and the kind that used the, those desks you kind of had to crawl into, you know, and then had storage underneath. I mean, that kind of deal, you know, where you feel like you're sitting like this, like you're back in, you know, I don't know, in a cave. I don't know, something like that. <laughs> uh, and I sat in the very back, and it was 30, you know, 30 people. And, and the first class, the, the professor starts off, and he says, hey, um... I just want to know who in, you, who in this classroom are Christians. Now, I, I went to church, you know, and I thought that kind of made me a Christian. Um, you know, kind of like, you know, going to McDonald's makes you a hamburger, you know, or something like that. And so I, I thought it was by association. And I, I kind of, I, I knew the truth, certainly, but I was kind of, uh. And there was two other people that were in the class also that I knew from the college ministry that I went to. Um, at Skyline Wesleyan Church. But the professor says, how many of you are Christians? And here's why I'm asking. He says, I want to know who I'm going to offend this semester. And I went, <laughs> oops, <laughs> wrong class, right? And I sat in the back, and I'm, I, I can't describe some of the feelings, um, but I saw the two people who I knew from the college ministry raise their hands, and I just sat in the back, did not move at all. And I remembered the feeling because it was, it was miserable, right? I mean, you're, you're just like, I know I should do something, but it's just, oh, I just, oh, I don't want to be made fun of. I don't want to be hammered like this. And that stuck with me for a while. And I think sometimes even in our culture today, it's like that. We, I mean, we are so inundated with all kinds of different philosophies, ideologies, all kinds of stuff. And as soon as you mention, I don't even like the term Christian necessarily, you know, I'd rather say follower of Jesus because Christian's all kinds of messed up stuff, right? Sorry, did I offend anybody out there? I don't care. Okay, anyhow, but <laughs> did you know what I'm saying? I mean, but, but to even say I'm a follower of Jesus already puts a label on you and you're like, I don't want that sometimes and I'm scared of it. How do we get past that? How can we really stand for Christ in a culture that really is, is against everything? And so I, I want to guide us through some of that. If you have your Bibles, open it up, Acts chapter 4. And l- l- let me give you just a quick skinny on this. Um, Peter, and, Peter and John are going to um, the temple court. If you can do next slide. They're going to the temple court, and uh, they're going to encounter a, a man who's been crippled. And a man who's 40 years old. And so they meet him at the gate. Beautiful. Keep going here. 
Uh, they meet him at the gate, beautiful, and he looks at him, wants a handout. He's right there at that gate begging, you know, the people going in to worship there in, in the actual inner temple courts there. Uh, and, and Pete and John look at him, and they say, well, you know, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk or rise. And so he gets up. I mean, he's healed. Kind of like Jesus. I mean, you know, hello, right? Continues on. Uh, and, and the scripture talks about, I mean, he was kind of, you know, walking and leaping and praising God. Sunday school grads, you remember that song? Walking and leaping and praising God. Yeah. All right, three of you. Okay, all right. I, I shouldn't have gone there. Anyhow, but, but and then they're in, in Solomon's colonnade and they're explaining everything that happened. And Pete again is kind of like part two of the sermon, you know, from the first time of, of Pentecost. And he's explaining, hey, uh, this is Jesus. Hello, the guy, you, you know, he's healed this way. The guy you crucified, he's alive. You need to repent. And then <laughs> it starts to break loose. And here's where we pick it up in Acts chapter 4. Okay, are you ready? Have your Bibles? You got them? Let's go. Acts chapter 4. The priest and the captain of the temple guard, this is chapter uh, 4, verse 1. The priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed. Well, why were they disturbed? Because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put him in jail until the next day. But many, capture that, but many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. Now catch this. What were they greatly disturbed about? That this guy is healed and he's walking and leaping and praising God? What, what were they so hacked about? They were two things. First, they were hacked what? That Pete and John actually believed theologically that you could be raised from the dead. The Sadducees were like, no, we don't even believe in that. They were kind of the liberal side of things. No, we don't go there. Uh-uh. No afterlife. No nothing. You're screwed. Forget it. Uh, you know, you <laughs> no, not going to happen. So they were mad that they actually believed it, and then they were hacked that they were actually proclaiming that Jesus was alive. That's good news. And they were hacked. So like I said, they put them in jail. But look at the result. 5,000, the number of men grew to 5,000. That doesn't count women and children. Now watch this. When you proclaim the resurrection, when you really proclaim the truth of the gospel, what happens? Change happens. People's lives are changed. That's the power of what you and I believe. We don't serve a dead Jesus. We serve an alive Jesus. He is alive today, changing lives. And they were hacked that that happened. But again, what happened? There was growth. 5,000 people believed. Here's the deal. If you stand up for who you believe in, others are going to believe in too. If you don't stand up, no one else will believe. And this is the point that, that we're leaning towards. Now, pick it up. <clears throat> Next verse. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. And so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name do you do this? Hmm. What are they, what are they wanting to know? I don't know if you guys ever remember. They asked the same thing of Jesus. He was delivering, casting out demons. By what power or what name? And they wanted to know what authority, by what name do you do this? 
Note what they said. Actually, let me make a comment here. Um, did you notice any names there? Annas, Caiaphas? Hmm. Where'd we see those characters before? Anyone know? Come on, New Testament people. Where you at? Yeah, Jesus, yeah, the crucifixion. I just tried. Thank you. Right, I like that. Yeah, where? When Jesus' religious trials. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. If you're Pete and John, and you were, and, and we know, we don't know about Pete. He kind of bailed and failed for a while. We know John was at the crucifixion. But just put yourselves in, in Pete and John's sandals. If you are brought before the that exact same people that convicted Jesus of blasphemy and wanted to send him off to the Romans so he could be crucified, what's going through your pea brain? Flashbacks. What could happen to us if they killed Jesus? We're going behind, before the same court to Sanhedrin. What could happen to us? Oh, I don't know. I'm going to go back and sit at my desk. You know, and cower. But that's not what they did. Look what happened. It says this. Um, verse 8. But Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Hmm, what's Peter going back on? This is cool. If you remember anything from what you maybe read in some of the Gospels, Book of Acts, what happened? I mean, the Gospels predict Jesus is going to send the Holy Spirit. What happened? The Holy Spirit's poured out. Pete and John are filled with the Holy Spirit. What did Jesus teach would happen in this exact circumstance? We can go to the um, next slide. Oh, there, okay, so picture this. This is where they are. They're in the Sanhedrin, uh, Chamber of Humestone. You can kind of see the, the diagram of the inner courts of the temple. And there are 70 men, uh, and then you have the high priest. This is where they're at. But notice, I think, I think, what they remember is this. If you go to the next slide. Notice what Jesus had told them. This is before. Look what he says. They answered the phone. No, here's what they... Here's what they <laughs> Jesus is texting. All right, so here we go. Luke 12. When you are brought before synagogue rulers and authorities, don't worry about how you'll defend yourselves. That's where we get that word defend, where we get our word apologia. Or what you will say for the Holy Spirit will teach you when, at that time, what you should say. Not sit in the class and learn, but teach you at that very moment, at that very second, at that very time, at that very point of your need. Notice what else he said. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand, literally to meditate beforehand, how you will defend yourselves. For I'll give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. Now watch this. Look at that next verse. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, and sisters, relatives, friends, and they will put some of you to death. Ouch. Whenever you're arrested and brought to trial, do not worry beforehand about what to say. Just say what is given you at the time, for it's not you speaking, but the Holy Spirit. Look at They took Jesus' teaching and what he taught about the truth of the Holy Spirit as fact, as real, and took it to heart. And they understood what? When I step out, God's going to step in at that very moment. If I don't step out, God's not going to step in. He'll raise up somebody else. But notice what, what he said. If you go back to chapter 4. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Hey, rulers, elders of the people, 
If we're being called to account today for an act of kindness, notice how he interprets that, an act of kindness, shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and who? It's open Bible. You and who? All the people. Mine says everyone where? In Israel. So Pete's not just talking here to the Sanhedrin. He wants everyone to know it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth who you crucified. <laughs> Twist the knife. But whom God raised from the dead. There's a resurrection again. That this man stands before you completely healed. And then he goes back to Psalms, which is kind of cool. Um, notice, and we don't have time to go into this because it's a lot. Um, but he quotes Psalm, meaning Peter understood understood the word. He's teaching the word. The stone you builders, builders rejected has become the capstone. Here's how much that means. Salvation, he said, is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Isn't that amazing? Pete could stand there. Why? Because he understood what Jesus taught about the Spirit. He understood that Jesus had been rejected but he understood that there's only one way to be saved and only one name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved, and that is Jesus Christ. And the reason that Pete and John could stand there the way they did, very succinctly, very clearly, was this first deal. They refused to what? They refused to back up. Why? Because they understood the truth and submitted to God's power of the Spirit to proclaim what is truth. It had nothing to do about them. It had everything to do with about who they knew and whose they were. And that enabled them to what? I am not going to back up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to proclaim Jesus. I'm going to pr- proclaim what? The resurrection of the dead. Now, if we keep going here, this is, in, this is interesting. Um, verse 13 when they saw the courage of Pete and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with who? Jesus. I mean, the idea is there, yes, they had been with him for three, three and a half years, but they were still with him. It continued on. But since they could see the man who, was stand, who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Now watch this. This is crazy. Pete and John are not backing down. Why? Because if they did back down, they would be, they would be saying basically to the Jews, there's some other way to be saved. If I back down and don't proclaim, hey, there's only one way to be saved, I am actually saying there's some other way you can get saved. You can get to the kingdom of God and bypass Jesus. That's not true. This man understood it. He just got healed. So you have what? Pete, John, and the guy who was crippled standing there. Can you imagine that? This guy is just, man, I, I wanted some alms. I wanted some, I want, give me some, you know, give me some shekels. Give me some, you know, money. And I got healed. Woohoo! And then where is he brought? Sanhedrin. Wow, how's that? Crazy. So three of them are standing there. But they couldn't argue with this act of kindness. Verse 15, so they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. So where are they at? They're still in this chamber of hewn stone. I mean, everything's directed towards them. Man, what are we going to do with these guys, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they've done this outstanding miracle. And we can't deny it. 
but to stop this from spreading any further among the people. We, we, we must warn these men. Do not speak any longer to anyone in the name of Jesus. Isn't that interesting? They're, uh, they're unschooled ordinary men. What are they? They're amateurs. They are not educated in all the law and things that these religious leaders are. They're amateurs. But yet they can't even contend with their power or their wisdom. And it had nothing to do with them. Everything to do with whose they were. <clears throat> some of you, and, I, and again, I know everyone's not a believer in here, but some of you, many of you are. And can I just remind you that nobody, absolutely nobody, can argue with your story if you are God's kid and he's done a saving work in your life, guess what? Nobody can argue with that. They can hammer you. They, they can say all kinds of stuff against you. Matter of fact, Pete would write later uh, in one of his letters, First Peter, I don't know, probably around chapter 3, maybe verse 15. Always be prepared to give an answer for the reason, for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander, for it is better if it is God's will for you to suffer for doing right than for doing evil. That's exactly what's happening there. They couldn't argue with Peter's story, they couldn't argue with John's story, and they couldn't argue with this healed man story. You don't have to know everything and have every answer. Tell your story. Tell your story. So what do they do? They call them back in. Look at verse 18. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach. Two things. Not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, both of them, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. That idea is more listen and obey. That's kind of a dual thing. Hey, judge for yourselves. Should we listen and obey you or listen and obey God? And even the religious leaders knew the answer to that. Who do you listen to? God. Even the pagans believe that. I mean, hey, you listen to God. Setting themselves up really kind of for a failure. But verse 20, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Verse 21, after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. See, people can't argue with your story. Hey, you, you can figure, you want to shut me up? <laughs> you, you, you figure it out between you and yourself and I, you know? Go, go, have, a, go have a conference, but you judge for yourself. I can't help but speak about what I've seen and heard, Pete and John are saying. We know the God who delivered us. We know who he is. And here's the deal. See, Satan will try to <laughs> do two things to us. Um, Anderson and Warner talk about this in one of their books. Satan will try to do two things. He will try to, what, instill fear in you, or he'll try to intimidate you. And this is exactly what's happened. Remember my classroom? Fear and intimidation. I don't want to be hammered. I don't want to be made fun of. I don't want to be picked on. And they have a choice right then. And they said, you know what? We can't help but speak about what? What God has really done. 
But they told him, I don't want you to talk in private, and I don't want you to talk in public. I told you part of the story. Um, a year later, I had grown in my faith, and still at San Diego State, and took a philosophy class. Take a philosophy class at a secular institution. Wow. 300 people in this class. Flat floor. We're, we're seated in chairs. The uh, prop, I think he was a reject from the 60s, walked in in shorts and flip-flop. I think he was probably stoned. But anyhow, um, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not kidding either. And, and he walked up on this. I can't even, it, it's like this, this big structure and with steps and walked up. So he's standing above looking at us, kind of like I'm looking at you now. And the first day of class, 300 people, he says, what do people value in life? I mean, you, heard, you know, just like this, you heard a pin drop, right? And then somebody has enough guts to say, well, we, power, you know, and all the rest of me. Yeah, 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 we want power, we want position, you want, yeah, woo! You know, and then someone says, money, yeah, more money, and they start chanting, yeah, money, you know, whatever. And then someone said, sex, and then, and then the whole place erupted. I mean, it's just like, yeah, more sex, yeah, woo! I mean, it, it's, it's this whole thing. Now, I'm sitting in the back again, and I, I'm going, now, guess what? First class was how many people? 30. This is 300. I yell out, because it gets quiet. Someone, you know, hasn't spoken in a little bit. I said, having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's go. And, and, and it goes, I mean, it, then you can hear a pin drop. And then the professor said, what did you say? Who said that? I'm like, oh. <laughs> I thought I could get away with it just saying it. You know what I mean? Out of 300. Where are you? I mean, that set him off. <laughs> what did you say? I said, having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Yeah, well, if you believe that kind of stuff, whatever. And then he moved on with the class. Isn't it interesting? A year later, Growing in my faith, getting involved in a small group, digging in, God gave me another chance to do what? Stand up. So here's the deal. What do we learn from this? Refuse to back up, and I'm going to tell you, refuse to shut up. How do you stand in culture? Refuse to back up, refuse to shut up, no matter what anybody tells you. Now, again, this does not mean, here's the deal. Know what Pete said. How do you do that? Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Great, but he also said do it with gentleness and respect. Here's the deal. Gentleness and respect does not mean you do not speak truth. Gentleness and respect does not mean you are not, you don't contradict. We don't condemn. That's different. But gentleness and respect does not mean we sit there and don't say anything. Refuse to shut up. It's okay to have a disagreement with somebody and not acquiesce to what they believe. That's okay. They're not going to believe. The world is not going to believe what you and I believe. Fact. Get used to it. Put on a helmet. You know what I mean? That's, that's the truth of it. But notice what happened. We'll wrap this up. Acts chapter 4, continuing on. On the release, Pete and John went back to their own people, reported all the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they had heard this, they raised their voices together. That's homo, uh, it's a cool word. Um, it's kind of, it, it's two parts, and it's a kind of a musical term. When you have a bunch of different notes and everything, it kind of comes together and makes this symphony. 
They raised their voices together. But know where they went back. Who did Pete and John go back to? Open Bible. Who? The other believers. I mean, it could have been in homes, probably was in Solomon's colonnade. But the idea is, it's the, their people, their family, who they were. Remember what Jesus taught? Some of your own family, friends, and relatives are going to disown you because of me. Who became their family? The brothers and sisters in Christ. That's who they went back to. Man, we really do need each other. They just, they just got done beating up and standing up for Jesus. They refused to back up. They refused to shut up. And now what did they do? They went back to their own and they told them what? Everything that had happened. Sovereign Lord, they began to pray. They said, you made the heaven and the sea and everything in them. What's he saying? God, you're in control. You made everything. You made what we see here, what we're standing on, the sea, the heavens. You made it all. You got this. Then what did they say? You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant David. They're using God's word again. God's word inspired by what? By God, two men, so we'd have truth. Why do the nations rage? The people's plot in vain. The kings of the earth take their stand. The rulers gather together against the Lord and his anointed one. It's a prophetic psalm. It's a royal psalm. What's he saying there? The same thing is happening right now. They're rejecting you. They're not rejecting me. They're rejecting you, Jesus. You got this. You knew about this. We're okay. Because we're together in this. We know your creator, your sustainer. You knew about this long before we ever did. And they stuck together in that belief. Here's the deal. You know why I could stand in front of 300? Is because that year I got involved in a small group. I got involved in a small group of people that invested in me, that I invested in them. We got together in the word. We prayed together. We asked God to do crazy cool stuff. And I could stand before 300 because I sat and gathered with a smaller group of real believers. And so we need to not just refuse to back up and refuse to shut up. We need to refuse to break up. Matter of fact, one of the best things you can do in the next however many years you're here is get together with a group of two or three other believers who are believing the same thing, going the same way, doing the same things, and want to seek God for some really crazy cool stuff and meet weekly and dig in. And watch what God does over the next year, two, or three years. Because just hanging around Christians won't do it. Christian, you need to have intimate Christian fellowship. And lastly, what happened? Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate, and this is kind of the prophetic thing too, what happened, met together and the Gentiles and the people of Israel, the city, to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Again, you're in control. This is nothing new to you, Jesus. We, you've got this. And then what did they pray? This is interesting. Now, Lord, consider their threats. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Same thing, same kind of term that the um, religious leaders noticed that Pete and John had. Openness, straightforwardness. They're not being quiet or still about things. Enable your servants. Notice, what, what do they call themselves? Servants, doulos. Meaning what? Enable your servants. I mean, who are we? 
Life is not about us, not about what happens to us, about what we do and accomplish. It's about you, Jesus, and your kingdom. We're your servants doing what you want us to do. If any time it's about us, what happens? Forget the kingdom. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. We're going to skip the uh, video part. If you can just go to the, the last point. Notice what they didn't pray for. Oh, God, bless me. God, protect me. Oh, God, help me not to suffer. Oh, God, I mean, this is just tough. I got a hangnail. Can you help me? Oh, I don't want someone to disagree with what I believe in. God, just, just, oh, oh, oh. What a bunch of whiny Christians. I mean, it's no wonder we have no power and we're not doing anything in the world. I mean, honestly. Overall, Christianity in America is powerless. Why? Because we're not praying for what the believers prayed for. They prayed for the exact same things that got them in trouble in the first place. And then what happened? God answered. And they all spoke the word of God boldly. Hey, you two shut up. Don't say anything. And now more and more and more. 5,000 are doing what? Telling other people about Jesus and living in the kingdom. Refuse to give up. Refuse to give up. So I just have a question for you. Where do you need to stand? We could put up the, the last point. Someone's back there. Where do you need to stand for Christ in, in the culture? Maybe it's even here on this campus. Maybe it's in your family. Maybe it's at your job, on your team. But guess what God calls us to do? Not because we're all out in a big bag of chips, because he is. And we're his now. And so we can refuse to back up. We can refuse to shut up. We can refuse to break up. You need that support. And when you have that, you'll refuse to give up. And you'll be encouraged to keep going. So my question is, where do you need to stand? What context? With friends, family, school? And you know, you know what I'm talking about. Who is it? Who shuts you up when you should speak up? Who puts fear and intimidation in you? You know that context. Could be on a team that you, that you play on. Will you choose to stand up? In that context, in front of that group, or in front of that person? With gentleness and respect, but with truth. And sometimes that just means you let them know, you know what? I'm a follower of Jesus. And sometimes it's that simple. The rest will play out by itself. And hopefully all heaven will break loose. And pray for us. Lord, you love us. Thanks for this time in your word. Would we say yes to you, your word, your Holy Spirit. And God, may the world know, those around us, may they know the truth that salvation is found in no one else, Jesus, only you, your name. And we give you glory in Jesus' name, amen. You guys are dismissed. Thanks for listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast and get more information at chapel.betheluniversity.edu. Or check us out on the iTunes store by searching for Bethel University Chapel.